judge, so to speak, uh, which of the parishes of the Torah are more vital to us than others. And nevertheless, uh, this week's parsha of Bullock is certainly one of the central parshiot in the Torah. So much so that uh, the Gemara and Brochus teaches us that the uh, rabbis uh, in the Anshik Nesses Agdola, who established our form of prayer, uh, wanted to include this Parsha in Kriyashma. Now we have, we know Kriyashma uh, it's uh, Shema Yisrael and the parsha of Yahavtas Hashem Alakecho and then there were two more parshas that were placed in the Voyoim Shamoa and the parsha of Tzitzit and Gamora says that they wanted to uh, put uh, the parsha of Korach in it as well I mean Bolok, Bolok, Bolok so the Lord says so then why didn't they so the Lord says because it's too long Torah Tzibur we don't want to make it that the uh, <coughs> people should feel that prayer or mitzvot are a burden so there's a concept, concept of Tircha de Tzibura we don't want to make the public feel uh, uncomfortable because of the length of the service. So, therefore, they didn't put the parsha of Bullock <coughs> into Kriyashma, because if they did, uh, it would add a few minutes. And if a person says it with great fervor, perhaps more than a few minutes to uh, to the prayer service. Now that's really a very strange statement. What do you mean they wanted to put it? Why should they put the parasha of Bullock into Kriyashma? Why should they take the words of Bilam which uh, stripped of all of their beauty he intended to be negative why should we uh, put give it this uh, great place in Jewish life that it's part of Kriyashma in this week's Haftorah we read that the Novi says Ami my people Schorno, please remember. Mayoat Salecho Bolok Melech Moab. What the king of Moab, Bolok, what he wanted to do to you. 
Umer Ono also Bilam ben Bahor, and what Bilam responded to him with his words, Minashitim Varagilgal, in the entire history, Lamandas Sitkas Hashem, so that you will know the righteousness of God. So we, uh, the Ashkenazim, we have something called Sheish Zchirot at the end of Davin. <coughs> Six things that we remember. Shabbos, Miriam, Mon, etc. Svardim have uh, expanded the six to ten. Ten things to remember. And one of the things that they uh, have added, so to speak, is this Parsha of Bullock. To remember what Bilam said, because that's what the Novi said, Ami Svarno. My people, please remember what happened there. And because of that, uh, this parsha probably has uh, a much greater uh, literature of commentary upon it than other parshas in the Torah. So there's a basic question here to be asked when we have this problem of what's so important here. Did the Jewish people know when it was happening, what was happening? The whole uh, narrative is between Bullock and Bullock. The donkey also has a few words to say. But it's not public. The Jewish people uh, are unaware that uh, Bilam is uh, on a mountain and offering sacrifices and has come to curse them and the Lord changes it into a blessing. The Jewish people are absolutely unaware of this. Or, and then they'll become aware until Moshe writes it in the Torah. When he writes in the Torah and they study the Torah, so then they become aware of what happened. So, uh, again, it's a very strange thing. There are, uh, I think all of us would agree uh, that we're much happier being unaware of things than knowing about them. When I was uh, in Miami Beach, so the news, the local newspaper, the Miami Herald then, maybe today too, but then, 
was a very, very small local newspaper. The main thing was that uh, an alligator crossed uh, Route 2. That was the front page news. So I was uh, completely unaware that, for instance, there were, that there was a famine in Angola or other things in the world. Then when I moved to the New York area, so in the 1970s, if you were Jewish in the New York area, you had to read the New York Times, which was poisoned then, but it's much more poisonous today. So anyway, if you read the New York Times, all of a sudden I became aware of all of the troubles in the world. So if you read the newspaper in the morning, you were depressed all day. Because, uh, you know, there was Angola and South Africa and Asia and there and there. and uh, So I, I longed for the good old days when I didn't know anything. Hey, here the Jewish people are unaware of what's going on. If they're unaware of what is going on, then why in the world would the rabbis have wanted to include the Parsha of Bullock in Kriyashma every day to give it in a place of centrality of prayer? So there's a, I think, a very interesting, uh, almost a vital idea here. This is the uh, main place in the Torah where the Torah, so to speak, describes what the outside world thinks of us. The main stories of the Torah are always internal. And what the outside world that's peripheral to the story and the ideas that the internal Jewish world deals with. Uh, So, uh, and when the Torah makes reference to it, it doesn't do so with details. It doesn't tell us about uh, the, uh, the wars of the sons of Yaakov, doesn't tell us about the rise of the Egyptian Empire. Doesn't tell us about any of that. It goes into great detail, though, the story of Yosef and his brothers, the story of Moshe, even Paro, the uh, pharaoh of Egypt, is almost a peripheral character in the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Moshe is the main actor. Jewish people are the main uh, participants. And then throughout the desert, all the stories are the stories of the Jewish people. But the 
there's a big world outside of us. So the Torah wanted to give us a glimpse of how the outside world looks at us. And that's the story of Bilam. Bilam is an op-ed piece in the newspaper. He's a blog. He's a podcast about the Jewish people. And somehow the Torah felt, Chazal felt, that it was so important for us to know it that they wanted to include it in the Kriyashma. So that we would not have a purely insular view of the world as being only the Jewish people. But it's a world in which the world, so to speak, interacts with the Jewish people and has effect upon the Jewish people, just as the Jewish people have effect upon the outside world. So, therefore, Chazal say, if you'll take every blessing of Bilam, with the exception of Matov. But you'll take all the other words, they all contain within them a negativity that can be a curse. For instance, we have the famous Pasek, Behold, there is a nation that dwells apart, and it, so it's hard to understand what it means by goyim lo yischashov. It's not considered important amongst the nations of the world because it's not numerous, very small people. Rashi says a different shot completely. Rashi says that whatever the opinion of the world is, the Jewish opinion is the opposite. Rashi says, when the Jewish people rejoice, the rest of the world is not happy. And when the rest of the world is happy, the Jewish people are not happy. They never seem to coincide. We know that uh, how true that is in the relationship of nations to the state of Israel. great ally visit us here in the next week, you know. It's not worth anything. The relationship with the United Nations. How does the world look at us? The 
world sees our separatism, our uniqueness, our special history, it resents it, it doesn't admire it. The people that dwells alone, you know, they got their own rules, they do what they want. They're not loyal, they're not this, they're not that. So the Torah wanted us to realize that there's a viewpoint of us. And that that viewpoint should not be completely ignored. It matters greatly. So the words of Bilam can be construed as curses and they can be construed as blessings. And we somehow have the influence upon others how they will look at it, how they will construe it. And that places a great burden upon us because what we do is therefore of universal consequence and not only of consequence regarding us. Now, in the long history of the exile, Jews rarely had a chance to be influential. Even though in certain areas, Jews always were influential. In the financial area, even in the spiritual area, in religion, but certainly not in government or in uh, major, major uh, players in countries. That began to change in the 19th century. Jews became very influential. So, for instance, the Rothschilds in uh, Europe. So, uh, the old man, Ansel Mayer Rothschild, the founder of the uh, dynasty, So he always quoted the, uh, there was a phrase that was used by Eastern European Jews. It was a play on words. Why should the nation say? In other words, one has to be careful. Because uh, there's a big world on the outside. That world could destroy you or could accept you. You could help it or they would uh, refuse any help from you. So the words of Bilam, all of his blessings here, have a double entendre to them, have a double meaning. 
wonderful people, Am Lavada, they can exist on their own, they live in a bubble. They have their own day of rest, they have their own religion, they have their own society, Am Lavada, wonderful. Or, it's an accusation. We want to have a global cooperation. We want to have a national cooperation. We want everybody to be part of it, and they're, they're not part of it. They can't be part of it. In Eastern Europe, there was something called Shei Pei. Shei meant Shabbat Hayom. Pei was Pesach Hayom. The Goyim used to call it Shei Pei. What did that mean? He asked the Jew to do something. You'd say, it's Erev Shabbat, I can't do it. Shabbat, I can't do it. Tomorrow night's a Malaba Malka, I can't do it. It's Pesach, I can't, you know. Can't. I remember when the, I was the head of the OU, and, and unfortunately... There were now uh, quite a number of Jews that were in federal prisons, Orthodox Jews. So we were trying to arrange with the federal prisons to have kosher food. That they would, uh, you know, or at least that they would buy uh, the airline foods well, I mean, if you're in prison for uh, three years, let's say, God forbid, and you eat airline foods for three years, that is uh, cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> it's prevented by the uh, Constitution of the United States. So we were trying to arrange some sort of system. So... You sit in front of the federal marshal there, the head of the warden, whatever, he's the head of the jail, and you try to explain to him the entire section of Yeridea, the Shulchan Aruch. So I remember, I just gave him a few of the highlights. He said, you guys are crazy. We're not going to do that for you. And I thought to myself, he, you know, from where his perspective, he is absolutely correct. He said, you mean you eat this way all year round? You know, you know, huh? So this idea of shei pei exists today as well. So how does the outside world look at it? One of the basic questions is, as the Mephorshim who deal with this say, one attitude that the Jews can have, and perhaps should have, is who cares? What I care what Bilam thinks. The other attitude is, what are you talking about? We're a universal religion. 
who are such a small group. Our job is to influence, as we have, all of humanity. So therefore, uh, what the nations of the world think does matter. You know, uh, Ben-Gurion summed it up. Uh, in the early 1950s already, the United Nations began its uh, campaign against the State of Israel. The United Nations in Hebrew is called Umot Muchadot. And uh, in the modern-day Hebrew, everything is contracted into an abbreviation. So it was called Um. What does the Um say? In Ben-Gurion, after a period of time, he said, Um Shmum, who cares? <laughs> so I remember one of the Secretary Generals of the United States came here to Israel, and he spoke... He, he really he was trying to uh, ameliorate the situation. So he said, I know that you say um shumum. But you should know that uh, we're going to try and improve it. It didn't help. But I remember... Uh, I then was giving a shear in one of the yeshivas here in Israel. And uh, one of the Talmudim said, how did he know that we say um shum? So I said, what do you mean, how did he know? <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's common knowledge on the street, anything that's common knowledge on the street. He said, no, how does he know what I did? We're talking amongst ourselves, right? So in the back road, it's sure you can say um shmoom, but how does the Secretary General know that that's what we're saying about him? So you have here this uh, dilemma. What do you do with Bilam? You ignore him? You put him into Kriyashma. So I think uh, the Tircha de Tzibura here is uh, that we made a compromise. It's too big a uh, leap to ignore him completely. Too big a leap to say doesn't matter. On the other hand, to say that we should be governed by what Bilham says, that our policies and behavior and beliefs should be influenced by what he says, that also, that's the Tirchat Tzibura, you're destroying the society. And therefore we have this compromise, so to speak, that uh, the words of Bilam are certainly not in the Kriyashma. But nevertheless they are in the Chumash. 
They're heard every year. And we are therefore taught that Bilam is a force to be reckoned with. And that we have to deal with it wisely. Can't be seduced by Bilam. You can't necessarily ignore him either. So I think that that's a perspective that is quite... uh, important for us to have as uh, we hear the Parsha read and uh, we remember what Bolak and Bilam conspired to do and how the Rabboni Shalom handled the situation on our behalf. So have a Shabbat Shalom everyone and thank you for coming.